0: My grandma lived in the same house for 65 years, and she fell and broke her hip earlier this year, and it was obvious that she couldn't stay in the house by herself anymore. So my dad was the lucky one who got to figure out what to do with all her stuff. At the time, we didn't talk about it a whole lot. I was pretty wrapped up in my own life, not paying close attention. So I gave him a call. I wanted to know how long it took and, you know, how the process felt.
1: When the- pandemic hit and shutdown occurred and she was confined to her assisted living room in March that kicked off the plan to sell her house. And it took about six months. Six months of preparation of going through things in the house purging, moving valuable items to family members, that type of thing. I did have a lot of sleepless nights. The exercise of going through decisions, what to keep, what not to keep, what's next, I couldn't turn my brain off. And this is in addition, of course, to the, my job and all the other normal duties. So that kind of took its toll. I mean, yeah, you can imagine it's tiring physically as well as mentally.
0: Hi, my name is Brian Hayden, and this is Redesigning the End, a podcast about the realities and choices we face at the end of life. Today, you're going to learn what happens to all your stuff when you move into senior housing. But not for my dad. We're bringing in a pro.
2: Hey, everybody. I am Sharon McGrill, and I am the owner and founder of the Betty Brigade. It's a 17-year-old business that I founded after I got downsized from my corporate job. And what we do is, well, we bring peace and ease to relocation, which is kind of a weird thing when you're talking about moving. But what we do in people's homes is help them move their stuff around. We help them organize it, sell it, get rid of it, all different kinds of stuff. And uh, it's fascinating. It's a bit like, it's a bit like archaeology. We get to learn a lot about our clients and it's kind of fun. There's this huge wave of people that are moving towards the end of their life. And all of the things that come around end of life are being overwhelmed. Senior housing, insurances, people's finances, housing is being affected, stuff, and that's kind of my arena. It's it's fascinating, like donation centers are, are full. They're full. And we're still, we're not even in the full range of the baby boomer wave yet. We're at the beginning edge, and and I'm kind of scared about that.
0: Sharon's book is called Downsizing the Silver Tsunami, and I read it, loved it, but when I was done, I wanted to know, what's the playbook for tackling this huge giant task. How are we going to get rid of all this stuff? Where's it going to go? Give me the
2: details. We refer to that as the food chain of stuff. I always think of that where the big fish eats the smaller fish, eats the smaller fish, eats the smaller fish. We always start with let's remove the trash when we're walking into a home because that's typically the low-hanging fruit. Like let's just make some space and start putting like with like. But yes, there is a food chain of stuff of, let's look at the highest end stuff. And highest end, I mean, very collectible or museum quality and stuff that would be irreplaceable. And not every house has that. In fact, I would say probably only about 20% of the houses that we've worked in have stuff like that. We did a huge project this past summer where the guy um, he'd been collecting political memorabilia for 50 years and he had signatures from every president from thomas jefferson through obama fascinating fascinating project the next level down from that after that very high end is just normal but good quality stuff stuff you might find like higher end antiques People have collected antiques for years, and this is especially true of the baby boomers. They have all of this solid wood furniture, like china cabinets, big dining room tables. Nobody wants those big pieces of furniture anymore. The Millennials are not at all interested in having huge china cabinets. Millennials would rather travel. Millennials would rather be minimalist. The only thing that they're really interested in is their clothes and their technology. And so where do the big dining room tables go? Where do the china cabinets go? And they're ending up in donation centers or in estate sales because that is the single fastest way to empty a house. It's efficient and people often think that they're going to get the highest value at an estate sale for their things. And that's not true. They will typically get about 60% of the value because when people shop estate sales, they want to bargain. After the estate sale, then there are Uh, consignment dealers. And and sometimes we bring in the consignment dealers before the estate sale. And just to preface this, dealers also do not offer retail price to the client. Dealers offer wholesale price because dealers turn around and sell it at retail. So you have to remember that there's always a profit margin in here for the folks that are reselling your items. Um, And they need to be able to make the money for themselves to do this work
0: so if this all took my dad six months the obvious next question is what does it cost to have somebody else do it
2: the answer to that is it depends because 10 years of stuff in a minimalist's house is way different than 40 years of stuff in a hoarding house it's going to be different for everybody but I'm going to give you a number, I promise. <laughs> the average 2,000 square foot house takes most people, if they're trying to get it on the market, six to eight weeks. We can do that same house in six to eight days if it's a non-hoarder house. And that same house, on average, is somewhere between, I would say, 4500 and $6,000 for us to do our part, the labor part we typically can reclaim about two to $3,000 of stuff that the client can sell and put that money back in their pocket. So what's the real cost? It really depends. It depends on the quality of the stuff that's being sold. It depends on are the relatives coming in and taking all the good stuff and leaving all the IKEA furniture? <laughs> like, it depends.
0: My dad is an accountant, and so we were talking about how it's easy to model the cost of the move, but it's harder to model the cost of not moving. But I think those unseen costs of inaction are way higher than people realize. Sharon helped me start to think about how to put real numbers into that model.
2: When people are pulling in all of this stuff and their house is filling up, or their pole barn, or their garage, or their basement, their attic, or all of it, filling up at the same time, often their house starts deteriorating. They're not paying attention to the investment, maybe the biggest investment, which is the property. And so that's been really interesting is to see the deferred maintenance. And that's what is called deferred maintenance, where gutters aren't cleaned out, Retaining walls are falling over uh, and a retaining wall is actually there for a reason. It's retaining dirt or it's retain, you know, keeping the land from crushing your house. Cracks in basements, foundation problems, water, mold, electrical problems. We see that in so many, 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 many houses that are full of stuff because the stuff has become more important than maintaining the house.
1: What I wish is my parents had done this themselves. My dad's been uh, dead for 13 years. And in that time, my mother could have gone through a lot of his stuff and made decisions. And she didn't. And so there was a lot of more frustration and anger than sentimentality as it went through things. Like, I can't believe I have to go through this garbage. But maybe that anger drove me to get it all done (laughs) in a rapid time frame.
0: To me, this is where the opportunity lies. What if healthier conversations around death resulted in a more proactive approach to downsizing? is that a solution that's scalable that could work in the way that we need it to?
2: Some people are planners and we like those folks because they're the people saying, I'm thinking of moving in a year and I'd like to start figuring out where my stuff might go. That's great. But I would say that's probably about 10% of our client. That's not the norm. The norm is mom had a stroke She's not coming back to her house and we need to sell the house in order to help pay for her care in assisted living. And that, that is much more normal. So it's, or someone has died and they, and the family is looking to sell the house because they'd rather divide up the money than keep the property as an asset. We see that a lot more.
0: Big thank you to Sharon McRill from the Betty Brigade for breaking down the food chain of stuff for us. This episode was produced by me. Patrick Couples provided original music with additional music from the band Hotels and Highways. The fact that you're listening means you see the opportunity to redesign the intersection of elder care, senior housing, estate planning, and death care. We're hosting two free events on Zoom coming up. The first is Opportunities in Green Burial, and the second is How to Host a Virtual Funeral. All the details and free registration is on the website. And if you're listening, it means you're still alive. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for sharing your experiences, and it's cool. I think you did a great job.
1: You better hope that mom and I hang on for a little while. Otherwise, you get 25 boxes of your grandma's <laughs> stuff here along with our stuff. Yep.
0: Yeah, you still got work to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not done by any means. So, uh,
0: <laughs>